Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome hitchhikers to Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, or the no-frills, no-bullshit, bi-weekly movie review podcast, even though we clearly haven't been following that said schedule here lately. But we are bringing to you the final entry of the John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy via Skype for the very first time. Yeah. In 3D. 3D. Whoa. Three dipshits with computers. <laughs> oh man, uh, you're not wrong. Well, I'm running but, this uh, on AOL, man. <laughs> AOL. That's funny. Well, without further delay, guys, let's start this road trip to fictional Hobbs End to figure out if the suits over at Arcane Publishing are pulling a publicity stunt or not. You guys ready? Hell yeah. Yeah, let's delve into the madness. Alright, well, I am your host, the Mayor, Matt Logsdon, and joining me for episode 36 out here on the highway are my co-hosts who most definitely read Sutter Kane, or at least listen to some jackass read it to them via audiobook. I am the Lord Ketchum. I'm Dave King of the Road. Alright, well, tonight, guys, we are going to review In the Mouth of Madness from 1994. John Trent is a logically rooted, yet cynical and snarky man of sound mind and body. An NHP type of guy, if you will. He, too, is also no frills and no bullshit in his line of work, which just so happens to be insurance investigation. Trent is the best of the best when it comes down to sniffing out a rat trying to pull a scam to make a quick buck at someone else's expense. That is, until he was hired by Arcane Publishing to seek out their prized cash cow and horror author Sutter Kane, who has mysteriously vanished. With the assistance of editor Linda Stiles, Trent takes a road trip to countryside New England and somehow manages to end up in Hobbs Inn, the fictitious town created by none other than Kane himself. With Lovecraftian and Stephen King-type characters and encounters abound in the sleepy little town, Trent and Stiles pull the string and begin to unravel the unknown sinister plot that eagerly awaits them at the finish. Or is it just the beginning of Sutter Kane's newest bestseller? Mysteries ahead, spoilers ahead, and very possibly technical difficulties ahead. <laughs> yeah, a little bit there. Welcome uh, to NHP Skype edition. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We've already experienced some minor difficulties. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> All right. It's my AOL well, connection. I can't help it. <laughs> I'm fucking living in 1996. It's okay. <laughs> All right. That's hilarious. This was written by Michael DeLuca. He wrote the screenplay for Freddy's Dead from 1991 and numerous episodes from the Freddy's Nightmare show. So some good, some bad there, I guess. Uh, uh, dude, a lot of bad. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy's Dead 91 is... Whew, it's rough. Rough. Rough, rough cut. <laughs> yeah. I like some of Freddy's Nightmares, though. That was a good show. Yeah, or, that's what I'm saying. Some good. It, it just depends on who wrote the episode, you know? I mean, I know he wrote... You know, some of the episodes, but like I said, it depends on the writer, you know, and, and the storyline itself. Right. A lot of those had a lot of Twilight Zone, you know, mixes and everything, so. But this, of course, was directed by John Carpenter, starring Sam Neill as John Trent, Jurgen Prochnow. Is that how you say it? Prochnow? Yeah, Prochnow. Prochnow? All right. As Sutter Kane, Julie Carmen as Linda Stiles, David Warner as Dr. Wren. And Charlton Heston, the great Charlton Heston, as Jackson Harglow. Heck yeah. Who would have thought that, Charlton Heston in a John Carpenter movie? He had yeah. nothing to do that month. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Dude, they got him in there after in a day or two, and he was gone. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably made about hundred grand. Probably walked away. Yep. I, I like uh, Davis Warner as uh, Doctor Wren. Yeah, he's I he's been in a lot of he's, really good movies. Oh yeah, he was in The Omen, the original. Yep. Yep. He's got the, the iconic uh, the plate of glass. Yeah, with the head decapitation. It was super sweet. I, I remember pausing that movie so many times when I was a kid and slowing it down, going frame by frame by frame, you know, yeah. just see the decapitation. It was sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, this was distributed by New Line Cinema, rated R, with a runtime of an hour and 35 minutes, and it debuted at the Noir Inn Festival in Italy on December 10th of 94, and had a U.S. release on February 3rd of 1995, and it actually opened up at number four its opening weekend in America. Hmm. I mean, for the for horror in the 90s, I guess it's decent, but man, it's... Wasn't very successful, that's for sure. Well, I mean, this was right before Scream. I mean, this was kind of a dark time in the 90s for horror. I mean, it really right. was. Exactly. Yeah. Slim pickings. So, I don't know. I would say opening at number four, That's, I'd say that's fairly respectable. Right. But it had an estimated $8 million budget, fairly modest. Uh, because I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. To me, this seemed like a very big budget movie to me. It seemed, It didn't seem like a lot of Carpenter's stuff that he did, you know, back in the early uh, and mid eighties, this seemed this seemed like a big movie. We know from Carpenter's experience, he, he makes chicken salad and chicken shit every time. I mean, right. It's his bag. Well, for the most part, I mean, the movie takes place, you know, just throughout the town and everything. Nothing really big goes on. It's really the, um, you know, the creatures, Whenever. Is it the ambiance or the you know the the level of actors that you got in this movie? I I, I don't know. To me, it, this always seemed like this was like a for John Carpenter. This is a big studio movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just a vibe I got at least. You think I just, so? I, yeah, I, I've always had that vibe with this movie. Really have. It mm-hmm. looks good. I, I'll give you that. I mean, Greg okay. Nicotero is attached to it, you know, in the makeup in the right. effects department and stuff. So, it's a new line. I mean, yeah, yeah. but it grossed three point four million its opening weekend and grossed only eight point nine million worldwide. So it didn't do too much after the opening weekend. It pretty much flatlined. Right. It almost sounds like it got pulled pretty quick to have that's something sad. that low. That's sad. That's, yeah, I mean, they barely broke even. So I mean, I mean, this is not Carpenter's greatest work by any means. No, it's uh, not. I, I like it. I think it's good. I think it has more merits and more things going for it uh, than it does against it, personally. Sure. Yeah. There's some. There, it's not perfect, but I mean, there. I definitely have some qualms with it, but um, overall, you know, as far as storyline goes, yeah, it's freaking right up my alley. So. Yeah. Well, IMDb has this as a 7.2 out of 10 with a meta score of 53. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 59% with a – here's the audience score. This is kind of surprising. It's 73%. Pretty respectable, I think, honestly. Pretty high grades, really, for a horror movie. This movie makes you think, you know. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a thinking man's horror movie right? for sure. 
and that's maybe where I fault it. It's it's one of those that you have to pay too close attention to. You can't just you know casually watch. It's it's yeah. one of those movies that you'd probably be best watching it three or four times. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, to really have an appreciation for mo- for the movie truthfully, I think it requires at least two to three watches. To be honest with you. I agree. And if you don't love a movie, it's hard to watch it two or three times. I I agree. Yeah, this isn't everyone's bag. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I don't I think the uh the goal there is to have enough there in the theatrical watch to want to make you go to the, your local rental video store and rent it to watch it again and then possibly rewatch it and then maybe buy it. I think right. that's what the goal is. I I don't know, but this isn't uh, streaming anywhere currently, but uh, not that long ago, it was on Vudu for free with ads. So I don't know, maybe check there uh, every so often because I know they kind of take stuff off and put them back on fairly quickly. So I don't yeah. think it was on recently. So uh, I think it was at the end of February. I think it went off. February. Yeah. The Sutter Kane character is partly based on Carpenter's uh, friend Stephen Kane. Of course, the great Stephen Kane. Even referencing. You never heard of him? Stephen King? Oh, he wrote, that's my... he wrote yeah, this yeah. awesome movie called um, Cat's Eyes and <laughs> Overdrive. You should check uh-huh. those out. <laughs> yeah, I, I know him. Uncle Steve. I, I forgot. He lives in Maine. Sometimes he stays in Siesta Key, Florida. I've been yeah. to his house once. He had a gate up, and I was apparently going to be trespassing if I tried to get any closer, but <laughs> he doesn't know what he's my uncle, evidently. Six feet. <laughs> yeah. He's socially, social distancing before the coronavirus hit. <laughs> um, you know, but he, they reference uh, Stephen Kane throughout the movie um, yeah. with Hobbs End, obviously filling in for Kane's Castle Rock. Um, Carpenter directed a film version of Kane's Christine, obviously, yeah. which we reviewed on episode nine. Additionally, Michael DeLuca had previously written the screenplay for the Kane adaptation of The Lawnmower Man with uh, Jeff Fahey and. Oh, okay. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how the characters say that Sutter Kane is even more popular than Stephen Kane. Yeah. Well, I, and I can see why, you know. Um, in this movie, you know, that it's very Lovecraftian. Um, it's both. It's both of them. Those people, you know, anybody who reads H.P. Lovecraft um, are true loyal fans, you know, to the genre. And so is the Stephen Kane. Yeah, I got yeah. an interesting tidbit about this uh, with Stephen King. You know the uh, story he wrote in 1980 called Crouch End? Anybody familiar with that one? No, I am not. Not Hobbs End, but Crouch End. It's about deformed kids that trap a couple in their mysterious town and summon an old god. They're trapped in this town and can't leave. Sound familiar? Sounds very familiar. Wow. <laughs> Is that like a short story? Is it like yep. in uh, what's it? For, what what book is it in? Um, shit. What night book? shift. It wasn't it, in night shift. Is it? No, but it's it's they have a feature of it in the uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes series he did. Oh, it's in okay. That. But you know, Hobbs End, Crouch End, and similar story. That's it all cool. kind of fits. You know. Yeah, I think that's a little too close to be coincidence. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that, man. Did you I happen to catch? The uh, the font that they use for Sutter Kane's name on the cover oh, yeah. of the book. I mean, that was clearly Stephen Total King. Font. Stephen King, Stranger Things. Yeah. It's all yeah. relevant. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the Stephen King H.P. Lovecraft connections in this. I mean, it's sure. deep. 
all the way through this movie for sure. Absolutely. But uh, kind of talking about Lovecraft here, uh, this has a lot of references to his stories. Uh, for the example, uh, the name of the hotel and the hotel owner, uh, Mrs. Pickman, that's uh, a reference to the short story Pickman's Model. In the film, the works of Sutter Kane are occasionally quoted. Uh, most of these are actually taken directly from several of his short stories with some adaptations to fit them into the actual film itself. Most notably in the scene where uh, Style, she's reading the Trent as he's looking into the abyss. Her speech lifts a lot of his description from the last few paragraphs from The Rats and the Walls. And in an earlier scene, Trent reads a line verbatim from The Haunter of the Dark. In reference to the black church being the seat of an evil older than mankind and wider than the known universe. Yeah, and I think even in the um, when Linda goes to the church and that inscription in the very front, um, I'm pretty sure that was from Lovecraft too. The um, the wording on it. Okay. The, it's, okay. it's pretty much you know anybody who enters here is doomed, but um, right. I'm pretty sure it's, um, it, it, that's from a Lovecraft book as well. I can't remember which one, though, but... I'm not as familiar with Lovecraft, I'll be completely honest. I think most things I'm familiar with with Lovecraft are from film, and probably mostly Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Combs, to be honest with you. So, right but, on. Uh, I, I, I've actually... Some pretty out-there stuff, from what I understand, you know, stand. Like, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's the type of reading that would I'd really enjoy, to be honest with you. Right on. I've, I've done... Um, I've dipped into the Cthulhu aspect of lovecraft and um i've incorporated it in D D games and stuff in the, few, in, in the past and everything so it's pretty cool carpenter has a uh, brief cameo in the asylum as a patient in the beginning of the movie did you guys catch that no when trent says i'm not insane throughout the asylum the camera pans past carpenter who shouts me neither this is also hayden mm. christian first feature film debut. He's credited as Paperboy. You mean huh. the Padawan slain, fucking, the, the, the youngling slain future Sith Lord? Is oh, yeah. This? Sand hater. Yeah, dude. Sand hater. Matt doesn't understand this shit. I, I know who he is. He's... Yeah, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know shit. He only killed the fucking greatest Jedi with a purple lightsaber ever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I probably would have thought it was no, cool. fucking old man did that. Well, he cut his Palpatine. hand off, man. Happy I mean, Palpatine. He cut his hand off. <laughs> yeah, all right. Fair enough. He contributed, that's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Murder is cool. <laughs> That's not. You don't understand. Don't act like it's cool. No, you don't know what you're talking about. No, I was actually referring to the fact that Carpenter had a cameo in this. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is cool. That part. Yeah. The small town is named Hobbs End. Which, an in-joke reference to the subway station where the alien ship is excavated in the movie Quota Mass and in, in the Pit. Or from Crouch End, published by... Or that. But I think it's, you know, obviously the connection with Quota Mass and the Pit. Okay. Cater Mass. Right. Mass, it's Quota Mass. We discussed this last episode. Something else that's kind of interesting about the name Hob, uh, this is actually what they refer to as an old word that they used to refer to as the devil. Absolutely. And in this movie, you, you have to guess yourself, or, you know, at least question, is Cain the devil? You know, 
Yeah. Uh, he acts like it. So Sam Neill, who was originally a director himself, suggested to uh, Carpenter that he shoot some of the scenes in the hotel from above. I could tell those were not Carpenter. That, that, that wasn't something he typically did. And maybe that's part of what maybe makes me think that this was like a bigger budget movie than maybe what it really was. Mm-hmm. that I was talking about earlier. I don't know, because I, I really feel like Carpenter did some things that he never did in other movies with this. Right. So yeah. I'm wondering if maybe that was a contributing factor. Because I, I didn't notice it, and I, I liked them. I thought they were cool. Neat perspective. So the effect of Julie Carmen spinning her head around, that was actually done by having a contortionist stunt double wear an upside-down prosthetic mask of Carmen's face. And uh, the stunt double, they actually couldn't see, so uh, they had to guide her where to go by sound. Well, kudos to her, because, man, the first time I seen that shit, I about What flipped. the fuck? Yeah. yeah. That was a really cool shot, you know? Yes, so, I agree. Yeah, uh, it's Dude, it's trippy as hell, and it's well done, and it could have been really silly and ineffective if I, – I, I think if you had anybody other than K&B effects at the helm with this, sure. I, I think this could have been a laughable uh, scene. And I don't know if it even makes it to the uh, theatrical cut, to be honest with you. But, I, dude, it's trippy as hell, man. I love it. Yeah. good. And a lot of these – like a lot of the creatures in this movie – are direct representations of Cthulhu and Lovecraft. Yeah, they got the slimy and tentacles and yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, did you guys even uh, pick up a little bit of The Thing? I did, yes, yes. From there to there? Yeah, absolutely I did. Especially in the the painting in the movie um, where Mrs. Pickman's hotel right there. When it, they finally go to monster form, the the characters in the painting, that looks totally like the creature that comes from fucking the, the spider or or the dogs, yeah, little, yeah. little bit of dog monsters and shit. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. The the Miss Pickman creature was shot as a miniature uh, originally. It was a main. It was a man in a prosthetic suit. Yeah. yeah. Carpenter didn't find it convincing enough. Hmm. Well, they use miniatures for the uh, the Blair thing, mm-hmm. and so the good, final so. piece was miniature. Yeah, Mrs. Pickman, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was a miniature. Wow, that's, yeah, that's cool. Right on. That's hey, really the, cool. The end uh, train scene in Back to the Future was miniature too. Me and Matt were just discussing that the other day. Yeah, that blew me away. I saw a behind the scenes photo on social media that I never seen, so I shared it with uh, with Dave, and I was like, "Have you ever seen this?" And he had or seen something very similar to it. I never did. I, man, you could have fooled me, man. That's I've awesome. Seen, Movie I've magic, seen the miniature, man. Yeah, I've seen the miniature train crash through the uh, the uh, barricade at the end of the track and crash into the ravine as the miniature. And they're showing all the the crew around the top of the mountain filming it. Does that ever upset you? Learning the secrets of you know movie magic and. Not when it's that good, because when I first watched Back to the Future 3, I was convinced completely that was filmed 
you know, full scale. Mm. <laughs> it looked good <laughs> enough to me. So seeing that it was filmed in miniature scale didn't hurt it for me. It just made me more impressed that they convinced me. And then I knew it afterwards that it wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of with you, King, man. I'm more on the impressed side. But special effects and practical effects and things like that yeah. have always fascinated me. I, I'm I'm one of those people that will watch the behind the scenes, you know, features and you know on the DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah. I, I I love that stuff. You know, I love my documentaries. So, yeah, to me, it, it doesn't ruin anything. It just adds another element of it. And then when I go back to watch it again, I just I, I have things it. I want to look. Yeah, appreciate it and things I want to look for and be like, that's slick. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. Again, when you proved to me that you did a practical effect that convinced me that it was 100% legit yes, up and up to begin with, then I'm impressed. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And that Back to the Future Part 3 bit with the, uh, the, the train and the car. Good example, yeah. Yeah, perfect, man. Yeah. All right, guys. From the moment Sutter Kane says, did I ever tell you my favorite color is blue? If you pay attention, whenever somebody up, um, has a close-up, especially one who's, I guess, a lover of Sutter Kane, their eyes are blue, which is to show Kane's power over all these people and everything. It's oh, really that's cool. cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's neat. I didn't notice that. Yeah, the, I certain the ones are obvious. Yeah, yeah the kids right. throughout the town and everything, they all have blue eyes. And I love if, if, you, if you even see, I think Sam Neill has blue eyes as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not really like um, like a creature esque, I guess. Because when you see like those, I guess, kind of infected people, um, their eyes are very um, discreet. I mean, very um, certain um, shit. Pr- pronounce, I guess. They're obvious, yeah. They're very obvious. So, um, but. Prominent. Sam now Sam Neal's eyes are there are blue in this movie. Hmm. I really love how Kane toys with Trent uh, in that scene uh, where he's in the bus with the blue. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I think that's great. I I love that in that scene. Cool. If if you look, everybody's wearing blue too. Yeah, Every- that whole thing just has a blue hue to it. It's yeah, yeah it's cool. I'm man. blue, double D double. double. <laughs> I hate that fucking song. Please stop. Uh, it's too catchy. Please stop. <laughs> I did I'm gonna be laying in bed tonight. That damn song's gonna be stuck in my head trying to go to sleep. Yeah, I hate you that son song. of a bitch. It <laughs> could be worse. Not much. Yeah. Uh, when Jurgen Procknow, is that how we said it? Procknow? Yeah, Procknow. Yeah, lets the monsters from the other side into our world. Originally in the script, the entire town was sucked into the other side. When this proved to be too costly, an effects artist over at Industrial Light and Magic recommended that instead he. Tears himself apart like paper. I like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. It's pretty it's much a lot, fulfillment but, of yeah. the crossover. You know, you have to almost sacrifice yourself to the to the beings coming in through that war that, that vorp hole. Yeah. I don't know. I think that effect holds up pretty well today, to be honest with you. And then I really like how Styles was uh, reading and narrating. Uh, as well afterwards i thought that was really cool but uh no i thought that i liked that effect that effect blew me away the first time i saw it and i'll be honest with you with this last rewatch um i mean 
Yeah, I mean it's it's not real, but I I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. What'd you guys think? I I didn't love it. Okay. It's Why not? Out. It sticks out to me. It's as the CGI effect of the movie. It's the only one, and it kind of I don't know stood out. But it's fine. I mean, it's passable, but it's yeah. I get, okay. I understand it, what you're it saying. Didn't, it didn't excite me. Okay. It's 90 CGI. You're right, Dave. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciate that kind of shit, so it's cool with me. I just knew the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, that was fucking cool. And, and it was, with Linda reading from the, the pages of the book to Sam Neill while that shit's going on um, and everything's happening verbatim, um, it pretty much just assures – you know, it, it's just a selling point you know, to, to him – is this you know? Is this really happening? You know, to me, yeah. like, um, I don't know. It's pretty badass. It's pretty neat. Yeah. The horde of monsters towards the end of the film were a combination of men in suits, animatronics, and full-sized wall of creatures. It took over thirty people to operate all these monsters. They actually called it the Wall of Monsters, and at the end uh, was not several monsters being controlled individually. Instead, it was actually a single special effect that was attached to a vehicle. Uh, kind of like deal, and it had to be pushed along with a crank. And that uh, there, a lot of um, Hellraiser too. Dude, Hellraiser. hell yes, yeah, absolutely. When Christy and uh, what's her name, um, uh, Tiffany, are running away from, is it Leviathan? Yeah, well, that and in the first creature in the movie. I'm sorry, in the very first movie at the end, it wasn't the Leviathan creature. It was just something different. Okay, but um. You can tell they're they're pushing it yes. down the hallway and everything. It's just it this this reminded me of you know that movie. Absolutely for five, me too. You know? It was yes. pretty sweet. Yeah, totally. I dude, I had that in my notes. I was like, this totally reminded me of that scene. Yeah, uh, but actually, at the uh, when they were filming, uh, they actually ran over Greg Nicotero's foot, and he had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, what a pussy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he broke it or had a contusion or I don't know what, but it's probably like one of those soccer injuries you see, you know, where <laughs> somebody gets close enough that they've grazed them slightly and the guy flips Dude. and pops and acts like he's in WWE selling a bump like a motherfucker. Dude, oh. I've seen some of those videos dude it is absolutely laughable i mean i i can't keep a straight face watching them they're hysterical man they really are some of those are just way over the top out of control man uh i have a couple things here um the car keys that uh julie carmen that she swallows when she's uh, uh when sam neil's trying to escape the they were pasta. actually made of pasta yeah pasta they were made from yeah. pasta got she got some cops in it had. I wondered whether the consistency of it was. It has to be stiff enough to stand firm for just that yeah. second. He's dropping it, but still, it's got to be a little al dente. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, did either of you guys watch the credits all the way through to the end ever on this? I don't. Know. I don't think so. No. Okay. At the end, uh, there is an organization uh, that was uh, recognized, and uh, it says that human interaction was monitored by the Interplanetary Psychiatric Association. Right. I thought that was kind what's, of funny. What's association again? Say that again. The inter, it is the Interplanetary Psychiatric Association. 
I want to say that has to do with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. I was going to say that too, yeah. I'm sure it does. I, I honestly, I didn't look that up. I was going to, and I, I be honest with you, I forgot about it. But I thought that was pretty funny, though. Yeah, I immediately thought like catching it's a it's a Lovecraft fan group or something. Yeah, good call. Probably is. I gotta talk about this opening theme music here. I dig it. I really like it. Hell yeah! I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I got uh, Inner Sandman vibes from it. You know, the beginning of it. Yeah. Then it kind of fizzles off to. Um, I don't know. It, it reminds me of that of the um, shit. That metal part or the rock and roll part in um, From Dust Till Dawn. I think when they're showing uh, up to the titty bar or some shit. It reminds me of that, you know. Oh, so. uh, that's, uh, I think that's ZZ Top, isn't it? <clears throat> Is it? I yeah. think it might be. It, it, I don't know. It's like a blend of that shit, you know. So. It definitely has that inner Sandman, you know, you know, crunch to it. Well, here you go, guys. I got a here's my nugget. I got always got a nugget for every episode. Here's mine. Nugget. The plan was to get Inner Sandman. That's what they wanted. Oh, really? But, yes. Huh. New Line didn't want to shell out the money. Yeah. So Carpenter and uh, what's his name, uh, Jim Lang, they composed this music, and this is what we got. There we go. So your That's ears did not deceive either of you. Yeah. The fucking WWE shelled out money to Metallica for their fucking uh, Now That I'm Dead song for The Undertaker last week at WrestleMania. <laughs> and you're telling me they couldn't shell out a little bit for Understand Man? This was 93, 94, man. I mean, what I do you have to do? I shit back then. Yeah. Oh, it was the song. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was the plan. So, yeah. It would have been awesome. Oh, yeah. It would have been great it probably would increase your rating on the movie dave i bet it would yeah <laughs> I, i'm just yeah Absolutely. it would give it a definite 0.5 to 1 percent rating boost yeah yeah so this is uh obviously we've discussed it it's a love letter to lovecraft you know the sutter king book titles themes referential material to hp lovecraft is far more than a coincidence and if you aren't a fan of Lovecraftian horror, prepare to get lost on this journey because it plugs a lot of sequences that are specifically targeted for your second and third viewers, you know, seeing this movie. Yeah. And I don't, I don't particularly care for Lovecraft. Uh, I've seen, yeah, like the Reanimator, yeah, that's cool. But uh, this, the sci-fi tentacle Cthulhu stuff, it just, it's, it's Cthulhu it's far out. <laughs> Cthulhu? Yeah, Cthulhu. It's, oh, excuse it's, me. Well, it's weird. I, I was weird. going back to Metallica. I thought they called their song Call of Cthulhu, but okay. <laughs> well, they were wrong. Okay, well, that's fair <laughs> enough. Are you, are you aware that the, uh, the Lovecraft novel, The Mountains of Madness, have you heard of that one? No, I have not. Okay, well, The Mountains of Madness by Lovecraft was about a team of Antarctica explorers who discover an unknown life form and then mysteriously disappear. Does no any of that way. sound familiar? No oh fucking god. way. No shit. This is Illuminati. Oh my yep. god. <laughs> the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Dude, that's crazy, man. That's, that's wild. Nuts. 
This is why it's the Apocalypse Trilogy, man. There you go. Carpenter ties that shit in a lot. Yeah, That's shit, cool, man. There's a grand design to it all, boys. So this is another John Carpenter Battlefield movie. There's a big split with viewers on this. And uh, do you think that newer audiences don't connect with this movie because in today's world we're so tech-savvy and uh, here in this movie, the medium, it's books. Is it too archaic? I don't know. Okay. I don't think that's the reason. It's a Lovecraft vibe for me. It doesn't work for me. It's not my thing. You're not a Lovecraft guy? Yeah. Okay. It's not Carpenter's fault. He likes them. That's cool. I think the newer generation is actually starting to really like it. In fact, I think In the Mouth of Madness is actually gaining, picking up speed a little bit. In the, at least the horror world and shit, you know, it's being recognized again yeah. by a lot of people. Okay. You know, I see it all the time on social media, you know, so I don't know. It has I see it every once in a while. It, it, it's, it's plagued with the 90s horror fucking, you know, tag. So as I said before, Lovecraftians are a very loyal fan base, uh, much like Kane's fan base. In this movie, if you have enough people believe in something or someone enough, could that belief really bring about that reality or at least your alter the minds of those people? But could you actually change the fabric of fucking time? Because that's the only reason why Sutter Kane has his power in this movie. Spreading mass hysteria, yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, yeah, yes, yes, the sheer amount of followers he has. Which is what gives um, Cthulhu his powers in – well, I mean he's an ancient god anyway in the, in the Lovecraft novels and everything. But his followers you know, is really what makes things happen you know, on the material plane and shit. So this is pretty much what Sutter Kane is. You know? He's not really the devil in this movie. He's more of um, – I guess I would say high-ranking sorcerer in a way, you know. He made almost a deal with the creatures and everything and to bring them into their this existence. And we're making no parallels to the current pandemic or uh, political situation in our country. Just no, no. Like I said, boy, boys and girls, or hitchhikers, you know, this is – we were playing this shit months ago. <laughs> I'm more of that. I'm more of that. It just – some of the stuff we're talking about does does fit into this. It makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, no, I uh, I think that's a good question, uh, Ketchum. I mean, it's an interesting concept, you know, and it plays upon a lot of, you know, what like the Nightmare on Elm Street, its premise kind of goes on. If you believe in something enough, it's there, and if you ignore it it goes away it's interesting i think it's i think it's a cool concept and uh i I don't know i like that it's that it plays upon human nature yeah yeah Uh, there are people who actually believe this shit dude you know right and it stacks the deck against you in that regard and i don't know i think it's 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 interesting i really i really think it's interesting you didn't really answer my question, though. Do you believe that if something was believed in hard enough? In real can... life? <laughs> okay. In I, I real could. life, no. no However, I... if you have enough of a platform 
and a deep enough pocket, uh, possibly, yeah, you could. Right on. I totally disagree with you, Mayor. <laughs> and I think, I think All right. In that front <laughs> landscape, I feel like it shows. I mean, I feel like that's a, a common thread. I'm not going to drop that. I'm not going to let that go. Okay. Yeah, that's just how I feel. I, I, I have to agree with uh, the cane here. I, I truly believe that if people really believe about something, believe in something hard enough, it, it kind of makes its own reality, you know? They make it theirs, that's for sure. Yeah. For me, this is uh, the defining moment in Sam Neill's acting career because I feel like this is the, this is the character that he is most adapted to play. I didn't buy into his role in Jurassic Park as thoroughly as what I do, how he plays this character. Uh, I mean, Jurassic, he's fine in Jurassic Park, I'm saying, but I just I didn't sympathize with him as much. I didn't feel as deeply about – I didn't feel as impassioned about how well he portrayed that character to do this. And, I mean, that's, the, that's his two biggest most, you know, notoriety situations he's been in. I mean, okay. what do you, what do you, how do you think he was in the Omen Three, the Final Conflict? I didn't watch the Omen Three, the Final Conflict. What? Are you oh, dude, come on. watch that movie because he plays fucking that. the Antichrist. Dude, it's a fantastic film, man. Well, it's great. You may be completely correct. I don't know that one. Mm. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I'll he give it that to give that a true um, criticism. You know. Okay. So I didn't know that Omen 3 was a big role for him. I didn't realize that. Yeah, dude. Extremely big. That interesting. Okay. Two questions that I have. What was the first Sam Neill movie you ever saw that you knew that's who that is? Jurassic Park. For me, too. Same. What about you? Catch him. Hmm. I could see it being Omen 3, actually. I'm trying, I'm trying to think if that was the very first movie. Of, man, it, that might be it, actually. Okay. I mean, uh, no, I'm going to say it was, a, it was Jurassic Park as well. Okay. I'm going to say that. Yeah. All right. So my next question is with Sam Neill, like, okay, you guys talked about the Omen. You talked about Jurassic Park. What about Event Horizon? Where does that rank with you guys? Oh, very good. That's one of the best sci-fi fucking movies. That's sci-fi horror to the extreme. Yeah. That's that's got one of the most craziest endings of all time, man. It really does. It's it, man. I didn't. It, that's not how the movie starts out. <laughs> it's it's fucking crazy. Did you, have you ever seen that one, Dave? Yeah, I have, and I didn't feel Sam Neill was as effective in that as he was in Mouth of Madness. Mouth of Madness to me is his best role. I would say In the Mouth of Madness or Event Horizon is my favorite Sam Neill role, to be totally honest with you. Uh, Jurassic Park's the first thing I ever saw him in, but uh, these two roles of John Trent and... Uh, Whoever he was in Event Horizon, yeah. 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 <laughs> but his roles in those two movies just really stand out to me. All right. I have to go with uh, Damien Thorne in The Final Conflict. So, well, cool. I haven't seen it, so I can't just call you weak sauce. You need to he was watch. Good. I'll give it a try. I, that interests me. You should watch all of them, though. Minus I've four. seen the first two. Okay, well then you should. Okay, if you've seen the first two, 
Definitely jump into this one, dude. The second one dropped off enough that I didn't I didn't want to get to the third one. That's where I was. Here. Like that with Hellraiser too. Hellraiser two kind of was when I drop off and I never went further with him. Oh man. man I'll tell you what. I I have I have an argument that you could make that I think part two is just as good as part one for Hellraiser. Really? To be totally honest with you. I a think three, a three like, is a drop. Right. I think if one and two is as a, just a just a straight continuation. I mean, it's I do too. I actually I do kind I of as one movie, you know. So yeah, I Much agree with that. Lord of the Rings and whatnot. I just didn't connect as well with Hellraiser. It wasn't wasn't my cup of tea either. It's different, and it's outside of my typical range of what I like for horror, but it's, I don't know, man, there's there's an elegance to it. It's well done, and it's gory, and it's creepy, and it's weird, and I don't know. Part two, I, I like part, I don't know, man, there's a, a, I mean, I like my slow burns, but part two is, okay. I don't know, that's the one I go to. If I'm going for Hellraiser, that's the one I go to first. Yeah, the introduction to the Leviathan and shit, and... Yeah. Well, next time I'm in a Hellraiser mood, I'll give him another try. <laughs> so one scene that I really love in this movie, and it's the shot of Sam Neill and Bernie Casey when they're talking in the diner where we see the uh, axe maniac walking up in the background. I actually had a small criticism with this. We're closing in. There's a cutaway shot as he's coming out of the building. I kind of feel like if you really would have stuck with it the entire time and just kept him in the background the entire time uninterrupted with Sam Neill and Bernie Casey having this conversation, you could still see the action of what's happening in the background that you end up getting to see up close in the cutaway. I, I, I think it should have been one whole shot. Right on. And, so and it would have been money. It would have been money. So you're saying have them continue talking – and he's walking up the entire time. The entire time, right on. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Sam Neil offered that a bit of advice. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. <laughs> no, no, I, I uh, agree with you there. That'd be cool. I don't think it took me out of it, but I mean, yeah, I could. No, it's still a cool scene. I love, yeah. I love the scene and everything. But I just, if I'm, if I want to really get nitpicky. Yeah. That should have been one whole scene, uncut, start to finish, all the way through. That would have been epic. Epic. Yeah. yeah. And it's cool that they got Bernie Casey, or, you know, Carpenter got yeah. Bernie Casey. So, guys, you know, you got great acting. Not great acting. You got a good cast for this movie, for what it is and everything. But um, in the storyline it, itself, in the premise, is really amazing but in regards to the writing of this in the script i wasn't too impressed with it to be honest it's really? very 90s in a way dude it's, it, i don't know it's hard to describe but i don't know it's just it's not well written i think carpenter should have penned this one himself and it'd been 10 times better well i think this maybe could be because of you know this being a more technical movie and everything i think his uh he scored it off so i mean they needed him behind the camera and i think he just kind of went with a hands-off approach and i mean i don't know i i, I kind of disagree with you because i feel that this is a good script it could have been 
possibly delivered a little bit better. But, I mean, let's be real. I mean, what was it, $8 million for a budget? That's right. not a whole, whole bunch back yeah. in 93, 94, you know. I I kind of disagree with you, but I, I, I know where you're coming from. When Some you say a 90s movie, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Some of the scenes are just god-awful, dude. Like the... Parts of the scene where they're driving, you know, to Hobbs End, um, when he's fucking around with her and she's asleep and everything. With the horns, should be just admitted completely, dude. Mm. I mean, it's it's a kind of a waste, dude. I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, Trent, he's a total dick for doing that, by the way. Right. But I don't know. I I found a little bit of humor in that. There there's humor that's in this, and and I appreciated it. I kind of I'm okay with it. Right on. What do you think, Kane? I mean, a lot of this stuff in this is redundant. I don't know. He just kind of played it by ear. I don't know. It, these things weren't really that, that much of an outtake for me. I mean, I don't see any reason to admit them, but I, I see what you're saying. Oh, it, it's, it's just it's got that '90s feel to it, and it does. Uh, yeah, just it's time stamped. <clears throat> this movie yeah. is time stamped. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's carpenter stamped. It feels like a Carpenter movie. Yeah. yeah. It does, yeah. But this is Carpenter in the 90s. It's by Carpenter. Mm-hmm. It's shot like Carpenter. Yeah. You know? And, of course, it's scored like Carpenter. Not necessarily. Right. I wouldn't give it the... With with the... Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, they're wanting to get fucking Inner Sandman and shit, and it's part of the intro. I don't know. But I mean, if it, if, it would if have totally studio, if the studio is so hell bent on that, you know, and they want it that way, you know, Carpenter had to adjust, score it like that. So it might not be all him on that one. I don't mind the score. I just don't know. Is it's? I mean, it's just not typical of Carpenter. Right. Yeah, at the time he was doing his own little rock band thing. Uh, that's where you know he got oh, the yeah. idea to do it this way. Okay, right on. Cool. The whole notion that this is an apocalypse trilogy baffles me a little because, for the most part, we're kind of led to believe that this is all just a visual interpretation of Sutter Kane's newest novel, In the Mouth of Madness. And I don't really feel like this fits as a apocalypse trilogy entry, with the other two at least. I don't know. Really? I don't know. I... There's always more than one apocalypse. Okay, so there's many ways to end the world. That's the way I see it. Um, And, you know, so we got the thing where, you know, an entity goes and copies individuals and takes over bodies and forms and everything and kills the kills the person that while they're doing it, you know, in the Prince of Darkness is, you know, we're actually releasing the devil, you know, into onto the world, you know, with fucking all kinds of yeah, with all kinds of biblical signs happening and everything while that's going on. This movie is this guy's trying to open a fucking portal and unleash monsters upon the world and shit. And, and, he, and he has yeah, but he has a but here's the thing, you don't if it's if it is real and he's actually has that power to create reality through from, belief. Through belief and writing you know that's an incredible power. That's that, but that's you know that's a way to do it. And it's the power of influence, right? Okay. Right. So there's three different ways 
you can have an apocalypse. Okay. Pretty much boils down to it's it's to end the world as you know it. I guess I just flip flop back and forth in this movie as to whether I'm supposed to be accepting that this is a reality or this is a uh, a fiction a fictitious you know story that's just being acted out for me. Uh, that's why me. That's why it's a thinking man's horror movie, man. It really yeah. is. And you need to watch it like four fucking times to really get a grasp of it. For me, this is Trent's story. And I mean, I think the way you see the movie unfold is what it's really as. That is reality. And reality changes. And mm-hmm. what you kind of uh, talked about earlier with, you know, having enough of a belief system. Yeah. I mean, it ended up, this is what ended up this is what was going to happen and everything ended up happening in real time. You know, whenever styles is basically narrating in that moment when, you know, Trent's looking into the void in the church and yeah, I, so that, so you don't think it was um, like schizophrenia or anything like that? No, I think what is being depicted, it reality changed. Okay. So, okay. So you believe in the mystical aspect of it all and everything okay i I believe in the apocalypse trilogy right on i mean that that, and you should if you guys had the the ability to create a reality or an alternate reality what would you do with it man i mean would you do it for would you use it for good would you oh yeah yeah. a little naughty with it and (laughs) i mean i'd use it for my good (laughs) okay (laughs) uh no i mean I wouldn't go dark with it. Absolutely not. I guess short answer. I mean, anything specific. I don't. I. I don't. I don't know exactly. You wouldn't. Piece. You wouldn't wish a uh, pandemic on the world. Yeah, I wouldn't wish a quarantine pandemic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I fucking wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. It. It. It would be. It would be for the light. It would be for the good. I. I dabble in the bad a little bit, man. There's no fucking way I couldn't. I, I've got too much dark in me, I guess. Ah. I I would toy with it a little bit. It'd be unethical. Just just <laughs> test test the boundaries. Just see how yeah. far. I'm putting the, I'm putting the tip in. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit more. Just a little bit here. If I enjoy it, I might go all the way. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's you worry me, Captain. You worry me. Uh, <laughs> I, I would, man. I mean, that's a fucking hell of a power. So, <laughs> don't worry. Power is corrupting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd play. It's it tough to bit. say. I would do. I would do some good things. You know, <laughs> I thought good things. <laughs> but at the end of the day, great. I would have a personal utopia. That's for sure. But uh, you know. Oh yeah, I would be good. I, I yeah. would be well taken care of. Yes. <laughs> so one thing I want to talk about is uh, all the doodling that uh, Trent did in his uh, padded cell there, I guess, uh, with a single black crayon. And by the way, there's no way that actually stays on his skin on his face. But no, this is no. a, <laughs> absolutely but, not. But this is a word that you know it's it's pronounced weird for some people. But do you guys pronounce it crayon? Or crown, not even that. It's crayon, 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 crayon. A crayon. It's a crayon. 
It's a crayon. It's a crayon. I've never heard of a crown. I well, keep thinking of those little fucking guys from Sesame Street that uh, discover things, you know, and they look it up in their little book and go, oh, yep, 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 crayon, crayon. Yep, 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 yep. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard it say crayon, you know. My wife calls it a crown. Crown is a thing. Every time. Yeah, Janelle is too. Is it a female thing? How does how does Chanel say it, Ketchum? Crayon? Are you sure? You don't Graham. seem very. I don't know. I'm looking at your face right well, now. You don't seem very convinced. She doesn't say it very often, so I'm trying to think. No, crayon. Yeah. Well, you need to ask her. And don't suggest. Is this a crayon? Don't it up and say, honey, what is this exactly? Yeah. Say, this, say this word. <laughs> Well, it's, it's definitely it's in fucking crown. I can tell you that much. That's not how it's spelled. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I think it, it's crayon for me, yeah. by the way. My well, wife no calls, uh, <laughs> pretzels, princels. Huh? Princels. No. Pretzels. I'm just telling you, these are facts. Women speak differently. I don't know. Hey, my mom, she calls uh, tigers uh, taggers. What? Taggers. I mean, yeah. she's not my mom, Lisa. Dad, my dad, his yeah. girlfriend. Uh, she like you know the cigarettes, Paul Malls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She calls pa- pale males. Pale males. That's that completely wrong. That's completely. Well, wrong. and I'll tell you what, and it's not just her. It's like because like I worked you know at a gas station there for a little bit of time. And, like yeah, dude, people call them pale males. Give me them pale males. I'm like, oh my <laughs> we god. We don't care about this. We have <laughs> like. <laughs> That's the I can do is Paul Malls. <laughs> oh man! Now my mom used to call uh, a a camera a Camry, like the automobile, the Toyota. Yeah. The she camera. used to call a yeah. camera a camera a Camry. Get that old Camry out. We'll take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. As a kid, a few times I'd smart ass her. She's like, "Where's the Camry?" I'm like, "I don't see any Camrys around here." We're okay. <laughs> There's a Nissan Sentry, but I don't see any Camrys. Not <laughs> you being a smartass. Oh, yeah. No. It's funny because Janelle, she actually, uh, she calls museums, museums. That's huh. wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And I tell her that. And so do so do the, uh, the girls. What about a worse cloth? Mm. I actually say that. I a go worse, back and forth. Worse cloth? Yeah, I go back and forth. It's washcloth. Yeah, I know it's a washcloth, but uh, no, it's okay. washcloth. All right. Okay. Here's Wash- the real question. I don't know. Creek, crick. What is it? It's crick. Crick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Crick. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a crick. <laughs> okay. It's a crick. <laughs> We're going through all these right now. What, what about holla? <laughs> Are you going down? The holler? <laughs> Are you going down in the holler? It's a holler. Yeah. It's a holler. Okay. Yeah, it's a holler. Alright. Alright, that's cool. <laughs> Moving forward. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> so when Linda hits the biker, which I guess it's supposed to be um Hayden Crich- Hayden Christensen in a spooky form, I guess, right? So, so Darth Vader. Yeah, it's Darth Vader. Okay. Right. <laughs> 
No, but when she hits the biker, um, there wasn't any damage to the car at all. Now, that, I mean, she hit him pretty hard. Right. Um, so, I mean, that gives me thinking, you know, is this really real? You know, is it really happening? Or is the fucking budget just not that good to where they need to damage the car? Or just forget about it. I don't know if it's a blooper or not, but... Um, I never caught that, to be honest with you. It, it, it's subtle things throughout the movie, you know, that you know, make you question the reality of it, you know? Hmm. So if you're yeah. trying to figure it out, you know, if you're really trying to figure out and piece together the puzzle that is in the mouth of madness. Well, but if right. you think ahead, if, you, if you're aware that Hayden Christensen is going to be Dark Vader, <laughs> you could potentially see the where, you know, he's used the force here or something. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. This is a thought. I don't know. That's a good point. I never thought about that. I never really paid attention to it. So, <laughs> what did you guys think of the uh, poster art for this movie or VHS cover, whatever the fuck you want to call it? It's mediocre. Yeah, it doesn't sell me. It's okay, I but I think it's really similar to Prince of Darkness. To be honest with you, it is. Prince yeah. of Darkness is cooler though. Okay. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of black to it. You know. Yeah. I have the movie poster. An original theatrical poster of it. So of In the Mouth of Madness? I do. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did I know this and I'm just now like I don't know. I don't know. I've got it in my I've got it in my bedroom right now, man. <laughs> Is it negotiable? Wow. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not I'm not <laughs> as excited as you are, Matt. No offense, Catcher. That's great that you have that poster though. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't really have too many John Carpenter uh posters. So that's why mm-hmm. I, that one. So I won't fist fight you over that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll I'll talk. give it like a D minus, we'll honestly. Oh, okay. All right. Here you go. No, to me, it really it was very, very similar to Prince of Darkness. Yeah. But nothing special. So, I mean, I guess I agree with you guys. The thing is, when they come out with like the new releases, like Scream Factory, for example, has the the Prince of Darkness, and and they've done this one now. The uh, the fan art that came out for those re-releases is better than the original movie poster, and yeah. to me that says something about the original I, movie poster. I agree with that. Yeah. Because I have a hard time being talked out of an original movie poster that's good. <laughs> you really well, got knock it out of the park. And to me, I think this also kind of goes back to because, like, you know, it's very plain. It's very simple. And, you know, and I kind of feel like back in the 90s, you know, if it was plain and simple and clean and crisp, it was sophisticated. And I feel like maybe this again, maybe this is just something else that makes me have that mentality that this is a this is a big budget movie you know eight million dollars though man that's right well, I, mean, I didn't i didn't know until i mean that's probably why the cover art sucks because the you know the, the but there's no budget for a fucking cover art <laughs> no but i mean it's very plain and you know but that's that that was a part of the 90s and that's what i'm saying like you know this movie is very it's time stamped yeah and, uh, but yeah it's it's as Lars would say, it's stock. stock. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, does there ever would there ever come a time 
with you guys um, that if you were pushed to the max and you were dealing with something and the you had so much exposure to it long enough, um, would there become a time where you would just accept it as reality? You mean like this quarantine? Kind of, I guess. You know, it's <laughs> That's immediately where my brain went. <laughs> it's shit real, dude. You know, what I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't know. But I mean, say, say you did get looped into something that possibly wasn't real, um, but you just kept reliving it over and over and over again. Would you? Would there be a breaking point in your thinking? And you're just like, okay, this is it. I mean, this is my reality now. Or this is reality for everybody. Yeah, I kind of feel like there'd have to come a point where you would just, I guess, accept whatever's being presented to you. Um, but I don't know. In the real life sense, not the John Trent sense, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, because you know, you kind of, you, you, you know, we have what what is what's called the uh, Stockholm syndrome. You know, where you start yeah. to, if you're uh, abducted or kidnapped and you start to identify with your abductors and, sure. you know, so That's yeah, I would say, I would say yes. I would say yes. Unless I was Bill Murray. And it was Groundhog <laughs> Day. Well, yeah, well, if you're Bill Murray, then all bets are off. It, it you're, <laughs> exactly right. you're, you're the exception. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, you, you'd almost have to, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, I think so. It is what it is but, at that point. But, but, I mean, at that point, what is reality? You know what I mean? So you get a – so take like you know a schizophrenic you know, who lives in his own world. That is his own – that is his reality, you know? Right. No, you really got to put your um, thinking cap on for this kind of film. Yeah. Would you say it's more than what – Prince of Darkness was or less or on par? Mm, I'd say a little bit more, you know. I would tend to agree with you, yeah. to be honest with you. Just a little bit more. Yeah. But not a whole lot. Right. To that point, it's more off putting for me because, yeah, it is. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to compute, you know, alternate realities and what's real and shit, you know. It, just tough right something we haven't talked about too is this is uh this is what john carpenter proclaimed as his apocalypse trilogy but why was you know they live or escape from new york not qualifiable as apocalypse movies i thought that too man yeah. i thought that but or the fog even i mean uh, I think I think but, shit got resolved in the fog for the most part, but uh, yeah. for Escape from New York and They Live, I hear you. I I've thought that. I think he like forced this one into the peg of making this a trilogy by calling it the Apocalypse trilogy. Like, but when he filmed Prince of Darkness, I don't think he had in mind that there was going to be a trilogy of Apocalypse movies. I think. When he did this one and he tied in the Lovecraft novel, you know, in the Mountain of Madness, which was the thing, and he's tying in all these different, you know, things. He he, he put it together with this movie and decided, oh, this is going to be a trilogy of Apocalypse movies. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my thinking on it. I mean, I don't feel like it's shoehorned in here. I think it falls. 
I think it falls in line. I mean, I'm not going to say like any of these three movies are canon, but as far as the end result of where the movie stops, mankind is fucked. You know, we lose. Okay. At least, at least in um, Trent's reality, you know. No, it's supposed to be, you know, mystical and everything. And, and, you know, the Sutter Kane character, you know, he does have this power in the movie. You know, I truly I I truly do believe that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, he he, he has unlocked, figured out something along the way. He made a a deal. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, guys, are we ready to wrap this uh, trilogy up? Absolutely. It's been a good one, boys. It's been yeah. a good one. Yeah, this was this was a nice selection. I like this. I mean, anytime you get to do Carpenter, I don't know. To me, it's just it's a delight. It's a treat. Yeah, we'll end yeah, up doing all of, his, all of his films probably at some point. I figure. <laughs> yeah, we'll do we'll do a month finish out Carpenter month. <laughs> yeah, at some point maybe. Yeah, I know this was no. I enjoyed this. This was a. This was a nice three movies. For me, yeah, yeah, for me starting out uh, with what I feel is the obvious, this is the the order of these movies goes in the order that they came out. You know, the thing, clearly the best, Prince of Darkness, second best, this, the third. Um, I, I didn't love, I didn't love the Lovecraftian style movies I've seen in the, what's the color out of space. New one oh, the Nick! You've seen the new Nick Cage movie? I don't like this style. It's not my thing. So okay. it's not it's not a it's not a rewatchable movie for me. And and you have to rewatch it to appreciate it. So it's kind of a you know double negative for me. This movie's a a six, and I think that's just because there are parts of it I like. I like I like the actors. I like the the transition of the character. That Sam Neill plays, and uh, it's it's a good movie to watch. It's a Carpenter movie. I mean, yeah, but not in my top ten <laughs> of Carpenters. I don't think. Okay, that's fair. Right. That's six out of ten. Low ten. I'd say you're in the majority right there with that rating. Be totally honest with you. Um, this movie, like I said, it's not. I don't. I don't believe it's written all that great. Carpenter, I, I believe if he had penned this, it would have been much, much better. Um, that being said, I do enjoy the Lovecraftian aspect of it. Um, the Cthulhu creatures, they they really actually do hit them pretty spot on to what the books state and everything. Um, it's a great premise to a, to a movie, in my opinion. And it makes you question. And there's there's constant questions being asked, and and you never quite get the answer. I mean, it's pretty much just you know you you it, you can, it's whatever you want to believe, and then that's cool. You know, it gives you free will, free choice on what to believe in. Um, actors, yeah, Sam Neill kills it. You get the Bernie Casey's of the of the movie and everything, and Charlton Heston does a great ad. Uh, I don't know how the fuck he scored that, but that was really good. And in in the beginning of that, actually, when Sam Neill is talking with Charlton Heston, he seems kind of like giddy in a way. I think that's because, you know, that's his very first scene with Charlton Heston. And I don't know. 
you'd be kind of excited too, you know, getting them. Sure. It's not as good as Prince of Darkness. It's it it, it isn't. But it, but this movie it makes you question a lot of things, and I dig it. It's fine. And the more I do watch it, I do tend to pick up a few more things, and I it makes me do it. Make it does make me like it a little bit more. Um. So that being said, I think the first time I watched it, I really didn't care for it. Um. Of probably about where Dave was at, but now I'm at I'm at seven out of ten on this movie. It's not bad. Okay. Yeah, it's and it, it has rewatchability for me. If I mean, I have to be in the mood though. I mean, yeah, I had to force myself to rewatch this. <laughs> it it'd be it'd be like, well, I want to watch the apocalypse, you know, trilogy again. That that's when I'd watch it. So, seven out of ten from from. The Lord catch him. I like this movie. I like this movie from the first time I watched it, even though I didn't really fully understand or I really wasn't aware of everything that was being presented. But I knew enough that I liked the characters. I liked the humor that, in my opinion at least, it was well-placed and I didn't think it was really forced. Um, and I really liked this mysterious, trippy journey John Carpenter takes us on with this I mean, in my opinion, this is a sneaky good cast. I think it's very underrated. Um, most of it's cameos because it's pretty much just Julie Carmen and Sam Neill for the most part. But I, I don't know. Th this was a pretty good ensemble. Like you said, yeah. Bernie Casey, Charlton Heston, uh, you know, John Glover. I mean, yeah. Who plays Mrs. Pink, uh, you know, Pickman. Francis Bay. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in happy grandma. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely. <laughs> and she was great. She was awesome, man. She was perfect for this role. She really was. You know, I mean, we, we kind of like the joke here that, you know, this movie isn't perfect. But for me, uh, there's way more going for this movie than there is against it. And it outweighs whatever hangups there may be. And uh, I mean, we didn't get a whole bunch of like special effects or gore, but I feel like what we do get, I feel like it's done well. In addition to that wall of monsters, the Mrs. Pickman thing and the Styles thing effects, it, I mean, I, I'm aware it's subtle and it's probably really not that noteworthy, but it's always something that stood out to me was the, uh, the breathing door effects in the church towards mm -hmm. the end. I love that. I the think that is cool. fucking awesome. I have always loved whenever those scenes come up. I, so cool. I don't know. That always stood out to me. It makes um, you want to get the fuck out of there. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to be where anywhere near that place. I've never seen oh, a breathing door that I trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Quick shout out. We, we forgot to mention him throughout this whole podcast was, um, the dude plays Johnny's that Simon in this movie. Um, old Vigo from fucking Ghostbusters. Yes. 2. Wilhelm oh, yeah. von Homburg. You know, yes. him. So, yeah, another one, you know. Yeah, he was good. Recognize him as huh? Vigo. That was Vigo. And I'll tell you what, oh, yeah. I want to say, first I really wish. I was in Die Hard, actually. Yeah. That's the first time I recognized him. Because I used to recite that movie all the time. <laughs> Love Die Hard. 
Yeah, yeah. The scene where he ends up like blowing his head off with a shotgun. I really wish we would have got to see that. Yeah. To be totally honest with you, because I seem like it fit like it fit the mood of this movie. To be totally right. completely honest with you, old Vigo himself. It's Vigo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Hobbs in it definitely gave me some Santa Mira vibes from Halloween Three. Here we are That's back with season of the witch. Sure. Uh, I even got some Children of the Corn vibes. I did too. Yeah, absolutely, and the children. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, and the children. Village of the Damned, anything like that, dude. There's a lot of homage to yes yeah, in this movie. The uh the bicycle scene with the old man kid, I don't know, that's always been creepy and off-putting for me. I don't know what it is. It's just it's weird and totally unexpected. Um just kind of creeped me out a little bit, but yeah. uh you know, I, this is another subliminal message from Carpenter about consumerism, I think. You know, it's just like his earlier movie with They Live, Larry Cohen's The Stuff from 85. Uh, you know, it's a little meta also. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of putting you in the reality of the movie. You're you're watching reality. It's not you're not watching a movie. And uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it treads that water a little bit, a little pre-scream perhaps yeah I mean, doesn't really surprise me it came from new line i i don't know what do you what do you guys think of that i guess i mean this movie i mean this is before new nightmare so Wes craven actually kind of didn't do it at first um where he put the movie inside of the movie itself um so maybe that's where he kind of got it i'm not sure I mean, I'm not going to say this is the first movie that's ever done that but okay. i don't know i i kind of feel like I'm still the odd ball out that feels like this is a non-reality. I mean, like that's where I'm convinced to be fitting in on this is that this is a non-reality. Well, but you're not an oddball, man. That's just what you believe this movie to be. I mean, and you're not wrong for that. Um, again, I mean, that's like we talked about. I mean, that's the that's a beauty of Carpenter movies and movies that are you know, based upon Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, a lot of that stuff's open to, to interpretation. Well, I feel like my transitioning in this movie is from going from this is this man's reality into, oh, no, this is not this man's reality. This is a fiction story that, you know, he's transcribing, basically, or yeah. acting out by the end, especially when you see him in the theater. Right. See, and to me, in that scene, he 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 just he gave up. Exactly. He, he got he, yeah. he he was tired of fighting. He just said, "Fuck that's it, what, I'm out." That's why. I'm I, just, I'm, that's, or that's he why finally I, just got it. You know, he got it. He was told that you don't know how this story ends, and now when he got it, he's like, "This is this is great. This is where I end up." And that's one line that Sam Neill does give to uh, Proc now that I liked. Uh, He's like, well, this is a rotten way to end it. He's like, oh, but it's not over. Right. I like that. I, I don't know. There's something about that. that you say, oh, this is a rotten way. to. It was just very old school. I don't know. Probably me. But if you're watching it for the very first time, you're like, what the fuck is going on, though? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, going I'm going to tell you right now. There's no way you can watch this movie first time through and you'll be like, oh, yeah, got it. Got it all. No, no way. Guess what? No, you're not. 
You know, and, and maybe it's a misunderstood, maybe it's a little too thought provoking when most people just kind of, I don't know, maybe just wanted a mindless watch. Um, I'm not going to say it's genius, as you guys kind of talked about. It's This is another thinking man's horror movie that has substance with that iconic Carpenter style and finesse. But unless you're a diehard Carpenter fan, I, I don't feel like this is a must own, but I definitely think it's a must watch at least two to three times. And, uh, it, well, okay, two to three times if you liked it enough the first time when you watched it. How many times have you seen it, Dave? Um, three. Three. Two of which were recently. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. And it was, you know, I was being force-fed it. I really didn't like it. I didn't like watching it the second time. I didn't like watching it the third time. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. I'm I mean, not saying gave, I hate the movie. Gave, I just it was a force fair rating because I appreciate what it is, but it just it ain't something I'll put in anytime soon. Did your score ever raise? What you know, each time you watched it or anything? No. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Even with the more understanding of it all. Honestly, if it did, I maybe went from a six on the first viewing. To a six point five, and then back to a six. <laughs> oh man! Because so, by the third time, I was like, I really fucking don't want to watch or watch the movie again. I'm, I'm over. <laughs> right on. Okay. It doesn't do a lot for me. But guys, for me, th- this is a seven out of ten. I'm right there with you, Lord. Um, yeah, it's it's not perfect. It has its flaws, and I recognize them. But uh, I, I I like this movie. It's yeah. it's a deep it's a deep cut. It's it requires multiple watches and it's not everybody's cup of tea. And that's cool. I mean, it, honestly, it, it I can't really say that it was my cup of tea the first time I seen it. But there was enough there that intrigued me that I wanted to come back to it because I did like the characters. I mean, I like Sam Neill. I like Jurgen Prock now. I like this small town being isolated and they're, you know, they're closing in on you. I, I don't know. I dig that. I think I and, liked all of that. I just didn't like the story they created with it all. I don't know. Yeah. I'm buying what you sold me, but yeah, there's still more that I didn't like. Right. But I, I, I don't know. And, and, and with you King, I mean, I'm not necessarily a Lovecraft guy and the whole, you know, the whole slimy tentacle you know, creatures and beings from, you know, the, the old ones and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not my bag really, but you know, I have an appreciation for it. And if it's presented to me properly, which I feel like in this movie, it is, uh, I can dig it. Seven out of 10. Yep. Respect it. <laughs> All right. Hitchhikers. Well, this concludes our review of in the mouth of madness from 1994. It we hope it mom, yeah. It mom. Pennywise's maternal it mom. unit. Yeah. <laughs> it mom. Yeah, if you if you use it as a uh, an acro- is that is that right an acronym an acronym yeah. yeah yes yeah it's in the mouth of madness is it mom so yeah, yeah. Pennywise's mom. That's not actually the plot. But anyways, we hope you all enjoyed our in-depth analysis of this fairly modern Thinking Man's Horror from John Carpenter. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates, and be sure to visit the Facebook page for King Art, where you can find a wide variety of amazing artwork from the King himself. You can also email the show at NostalgiaHighwayPodcast at gmail.com, and our Twitter username is at HighwayNHP. 
We'd love to hear from you hitchhikers, so hit us up. But before we completely wrap up the show, the three of us here want to give recognition and big thanks to Sean Jackson and Cody Jones for this new and most appropriate theme music that they have put a lot of time and effort into for the show. Totally love your guys' work. Join us next time where we will head out to the untamed Wild West for a pair of classic westerns starting off with the Clint Eastwood classic for a few dollars more from 1965. All right, so on behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I am your host, the Merrimack Logson, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time out on the highway. That sucks, man. Did you blow out the USB port? I noticed you blew out the other ports on the mic, but did you blow out your USB port? Uh, the inside. Uh, the inside. Here. There's a blow. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, oh, golly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Right. Harder. Harder. First one's clean. <laughs> oh, man. Pay for the rest. <laughs> this might be the outtake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's great. Is that good enough for you? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, that felt good. I feel good about that. <laughs> Is it good for you? It was probably the most excitement I've had all day. <laughs>